Hey, welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast with Pastor Stephen. Today we listen to a sermon titled Biblical Salvation Defined, and he's looking at Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 21. So thank you for listening. If you have a Bible today, please open it up. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, so about 40 weeks now, we've been walking through the book of Romans verse by verse by verse, and we know that there are some verses that we have dealt with that we've scratched our minds, and we're like, I don't know that I'm any better than I was before. I would just say when it comes to the Word of God, there are two things that you must remember. Number one, no matter where you're studying or reading, you've always got to put your Jesus glasses on. Makes no sense unless you have your Jesus glasses on. And then number two, I accept it and believe it by faith. Okay? Now, people sometimes say spiritual things that just make no sense whatsoever. For instance, this really happened. There was a guy, and somebody asked him, so what do you believe about salvation? And he said, I believe what my church believes about salvation. And they're like, well, what does your church believe about salvation? My church believes what I believe about salvation. What do you and your church believe about salvation? We believe the same thing. Well, today, hopefully, we're going to study God's Word. To me, one of the clearest definitions biblically of what salvation is, so you won't have to be that person that says, oh, I just kind of believe what my church believes. But instead, you'll be able to give a clear, clear presentation of what salvation in Jesus Christ looks like. We're going to be looking at verses 13 all the way down through verse 21. So we'll finish this chapter out. And I know we studied 13 last week, but it makes no sense unless we grab 13 and contextually we pull it together, okay? So beginning in verse 13 of Romans chapter 10. Now before we read the scripture, let me just stop and say this. Be a great opportunity for you to silence your phone right now. Okay, I know you may think, oh, it's silence. No, go ahead, check. That'll save me embarrassment. It'll save you embarrassment. Because nobody ever has a ringer that goes off. It's just a simple ringer. It's always a cricket. It's always a song. It's always a, uh, well, just something weird. There was one a few weeks ago. It went like boing, boing, boing. Um, Anyway, thank you for doing that for us. Um, Look there in verse 13 of Romans chapter 10. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold. And Isaiah says, I was found by those who did not seek me. 
I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Now, you read that and you're like, how in the world are we going to cover that in one Sunday? Because it's talking about so many different things. And I will give you that. It is. But it is talking about the characteristics and the personality of one individual. And that is God. And so today, we're not going to focus so much on the other individuals as much as we are seeing this is God. This is who he is. This is how he responds and how that in turn applies to our lives. So with that being said, today, we're going to look at a good biblical definition of salvation. The first part of that definition is this. God is reaching out to us with grace. He is reaching out with grace. In verse 21, it says, All day long I have stretched out my hands. God is extending his arms of grace. Now, for those of you that are parents and those of you that are grandparents, when you extend your hands or your arms to your children or your grandchildren, what are you doing? You're saying, come to me, come to me. I want to I wanna hug you, right? I want to I cover you in my arms of love. Come to me. And this scripture is saying, friend, that God is not just extending these arms of grace for a minute. He's not just extending them for an hour. It says he is extending them all day long. He is reaching out to you. And then he goes on and he tells us, here's how he does it. In verses 13 through 15, how does God reach out his arms of grace? First of all, he does it by sending a preacher. In verse 15, he says, how can they preach unless they are sent? That God is in the process of sharing with each one of us uh, his grace and his goodness, and how does he do that? He does that by sending a preacher, or he does that by sending a messenger. If you're here today and you're born again follower of Jesus Christ, right? You have a personal relationship with him. We would say in the Baptist church, you have been saved from your sins. God sent a messenger to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. That could be a family member, that could be a friend, could be a preacher could be a Sunday school teacher, but God sent someone to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ so that in turn you might be a recipient of his grace. It's the message that he sends through the messenger or through the preacher. From time to time, I'll get folks that'll say this. They'll say, well, the day and time we live in, with all the technological advances, or advancements. Do you think that God will ever stop using preaching? And we are using a lot of different technology today. Uh, because of technology today, anyone in the world is able to watch our services. Because of technology today that we are able to reach out and even disciple folks one-on-one -on -one across the world. Uh, I think you would admit with me that our services look a lot different today than they did 10 years ago, than they did 20 or 30 years ago. 
Technology is not a bad thing. Technology is, well, it's not really good or bad. It's how you use it, right? It's how you use it. But friend, listen to me. The day will never come where God says the preaching of the word and the messenger sharing the gospel message is out of date. It'll never happen. Friend, listen to me. He used the preacher in the first century church. He used the preacher in the 15th century. And I'm telling you, if if he tarries, he's going to use preaching in the 22nd century. He sends a messenger. He sends a preacher. That's why he says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, these words. He says, God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching. I don't expect an amen there. <laughs> the foolishness of preaching to save some. Some of you would say, well, I'm off the hook because I'm not a preacher. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are exactly a preacher. You are a messenger. You may not have the title pastor. You may have never spent one single day at seminary. No one may even call you preacher. But I'm telling you, you've been given a message to deliver. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. So listen to me today. God is extending his arms of grace. How does he do that? He is sending a messenger. A messenger to you. Here is The gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only does he send the preacher, but he shares the good news. That's what a a preacher does. A lot of what we hear being shared today in the name of Jesus Christ is not very good news. There's a lot of bad news being shared. There's a lot of doom and gloom that is being shared. Sometimes people go to church and here's what they'll say. Man, the preacher walked up one side of my back, down the other side of the back with hobnob boots on. And they walk out and they're like, boy, didn't he preach the gospel today? I'm beat down, man. He preached the good news today. True preaching does not take place until someone says, here is the good news. I'll have folks that'll say this. They'll say, it's amazing. No matter where we are in the Bible, it's like every single Sunday, you preach a salvation message. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the only hope we have. And if you're one of those people, they're like, I'm so sick and tired of you preaching salvation messages. Let me go ahead. Spoiler alert. It's not going to change. No, that's the good news. That's the good news. It is found in salvation through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. True preaching does not take place no matter how highly produced it is, no matter how much they spit, no matter how much they stomp, no matter how many jokes they tell, no matter if every hair is in place. Smart Alec. Right? There are folks that are slick back superstar pep artists and they stand behind a sacred desk and they say, oh, let me share with you what God says. I'm telling you, if they don't start with Jesus, finish with Jesus, and Jesus is all in between, turn it off. It'd be like you, it'd be like you going to the doctor 
And the doctor says, hey, listen, I need to tell you, you've got a terrible disease. Come back in a week. And you go back a week later and the doctor says, oh, I told you last week, you got a terrible disease, come back next week. And then you go back the next week and the doctor's like, well, for a third time, you got a terrible disease, come back next week. I don't know what you're going to do, I'm finding me a new doctor. Because I want to go to a doctor that says this, you've got a terrible disease, but here's what we're going to do about it. You've got a terrible disease, but here's how we're going to treat it, right? The bad news, we want to address the bad news. How can I deal with the bad news? Here's the bad news. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Here's the bad news. We're all sinners, every single one of us. Now, there are some that are a lot better than others. I'll give you that. But we're all sinners. That's the bad news. How can I deal with the bad news through the good news? What's the good news? Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died for you. What's the good news? The good news is if you turn from your sins, you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you surrender to Jesus as Lord, you can be saved. The bad news, the wages of sin is death. The good news, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the good news. My calling is to share the good news. And if you're here today and you know Jesus, it's your calling as well. It just may look a little different. Your calling is not to be a carpenter. Your calling is to share the good news of Jesus Christ while you do carpentry. Your calling is not to be a school teacher. Your calling is to make much of Jesus while you teach school. We can go all day long, friends. You know Christ. You have been called to be a preacher and a messenger. I love the quotation that he gives from Isaiah found there in verse 15. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Not too long ago, Jennifer and I went to the beach, and we were sitting there, and folks were passing by, and they were coming in front of us, and would you believe we couldn't get any rest whatsoever, because people were coming up. Would you believe this? They were coming up to me, and they're like, my goodness, man, those are the prettiest feet that I've ever seen in my life. You know, there was a guy like, Sue, come over here. Take a picture of this guy's feet. Can you believe, can you believe they were doing that? No, you don't believe that, because it's not true. It's not true. I don't have pretty feet. I got all scarred feet and anyway, knobby feet. There, well, there you go. There you go. And even then, it's getting harder. I'm expecting a lot more out of them than they used to. They're pretty. They're pretty ugly. But friend, listen to me. Here's what the Bible has just said. The Bible has just said that this morning when I got here, And I went into my study and I did what I normally do. And man, I'm just, I have a system that that I always do. If I tell you, if that gets disrupted, man, I'm just, I'm like an old man. And I prayed in my study and I walked out of my study and I came down the mallway. Man, the mallway was hopping with all kinds of stuff today, wasn't it? I walked down that mallway. If you saw me, here's what you could have said. Isn't that beautiful? Look at there. That guy's going to share the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? He's going to share the good news. And I'm telling you, the same thing is said about you as a messenger of the message of Jesus Christ. The verse is not talking about anatomy, friends. The verse is talking about activity. 
It means that someone, when they take the good news, it is a beautiful experience that when you share the news with somebody, others can point at you and others can say, man, that's beautiful. Because they're taking the good news of Jesus. They're taking the gospel of Jesus. I had a little boy that came up to me not too long ago at the Welcome Center, and here's what he said. He said, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher. I'm like, really? Why? He said, because I want to stand on the stage and yell at all the people. <laughs> mm. Out of the mouth of babes. We don't need more people to stand on the stage and yell at people. What we do need is more people to safely carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's how God does it. That's how God extends his arms of grace. He sends a messenger, right? He sends a preacher who does what? Who shares the good news. And then third, salvation through Jesus is then either accepted or rejected. That's the choice. God says, here's salvation. Here's the truth. I'm offering it to you. I want you to hear it, but you've also got to believe it, right? You've also got to accept it. Here it is. Take it or leave it. So God extends these arms of grace by sending a messenger with a message of the good news. And now salvation, you either receive that or you reject that. And then the fourth part of how he extends his arms of grace is sincere believers call on the name of Jesus. They call on the name of Jesus. Verse 14, how can they call on the one they believe? Unless they do what? Unless they hear about him. Notice verse 13 does not say this. It does not say, whosoever thinks about the Lord will be saved. Notice verse 13 does not even say this. Whosoever believes in the Lord will be saved. It says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so God is here and God is saying this. I'm holding out my arms of grace. I'm holding them out, not just for a minute, not just for an hour. Man, I'm holding them out all day long. Call on me. Call on me. It is active participation on our part where we say, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I'm now accepting uh, your offer, your offer of grace. Verse 13 and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. My goodness, I wish somebody would listen to that today. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You say, well, I've done too much bad. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, you don't know the sin that I've done. I can't be forgiven of that. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I've played the game for far too long. Everyone thinks that I'm a follower of Christ and I'm nothing more than a fake, than a counterfeit. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He extends it to all. Friend, hear me. You're here today or you're watching today and you sit there and you say, you know what? It is extended to everyone but me because of me, because I. You're believing lies from the pits of hell. He extends those arms of grace even to you. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And understand from the beginning to the end, salvation is of the Lord. Our only part's receiving it. Our only part is accepting it. He does it all. He starts it and he finishes it. Listen to what the Bible says about salvation. This is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 
Hebrews 12, 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It is all done by the Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega. That means he is the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, and he is everything in between when it comes to our salvation. He is the A, and he is the Z, and he is everything that is in between. And verse 16 says right there, not everyone will receive the good news. Can I just say, I have no, I, I, I can't even comprehend why someone would not receive his arms of grace. Why they would not be receptive to the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. Yet it tells us there that there are some who do not accept the free gift of eternal life. I know this, that there are a lot of folks out there, uh, they come up with their own idea of what salvation truly is. They come up with their own idea of what God really is, and it has absolutely nothing to do with his word. I'll give you an example. Oprah Winfrey, highly successful television talk show host, actor, producer, activist, businesswoman, she has been called this, a really hip and materialistic Mother Teresa. She's been called a symbolic figurehead of spirituality, a moral monitor. She has been called America's pastor. She has been called a modern-day Billy Graham. Oprah's book, Live Your Best Life, describes her philosophy that everything is one and man is divine and man can create his own reality. Her gospel is this, that man is not a sinner, God is not a judge, all is well with the universe, and as she says, I need to surrender to the flow. The flow. Here's what she says, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you would call God. Now, she has a right to believe anything she wants to. That's part of the freedom that we have living in the country that we live in. I'm not sitting here criticizing the right that she has to believe anything that she wants to believe. She absolutely has that right. The sad thing is she and many, many other folks of all different nationalities, of all different backgrounds and skin colors have concocted in their own minds what they think about truth, what they think about God, what they think about the afterlife, what they think about heaven, and what they think about hell, and it is totally separate from the word of God and there'll be somebody that watches this television show and they'll respond and here's what they'll say how dare you who are you who are you to say what is correct who are you to stand up and be the expert on this who are you to have the corner market on philosophy and theological truth well friend listen I'm nobody I'm still amazed that God would use me to do anything. And, and, and I'm not one of these intellectual stalwarts, okay? Matter of fact, I, I, don't, I don't even trust myself intellectually to say anything when it comes to who God is and what God does or anything about what he expects of me. So as a result of that, I just trust what he says in this book. 
I'm just going to trust what he says in the Bible, right? I've accepted it, and I hope you have too. And that is grace. That is grace. That God is reaching out his arms of grace to you. To you. You may have rejected him. You may have sat there and concocted your own way. You may have in the past said that we're all fools. Can I tell you we are? But God is true. And today he extends his arms of grace even to you. To you. But then there's faith. And God's grace requires a response of faith. Of faith. Look in verse 17. Faith, he says in 17, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So a couple of things when it comes to faith. First of all, faith is hearing and faith is believing God's word. Notice verse 17 does not say that faith comes by listening. It doesn't say faith comes by reading. It doesn't even say there that faith comes by watching. It says there that faith comes by hearing the word of God. The word that is used there in the language means this, I have a comprehension. It means to comprehend. I think that there are a lot of folks that are hard of hearing when it comes to hearing God. You know, they, they say the older you get, the more hard of hearing you become. I heard about a couple that had been married for over 50 years. And the woman turned to her husband one night and she said, honey, I'm so proud of you. And he turned right back to her and he said, I'm so tired of you too. <laughs> Hard of hearing, right? Hey, when it comes to physiological hardness of hearing, we always want to do something about that, don't we? Well, there are many that are spiritually hard of hearing. And they'll come to me and they'll say something like this. They'll say, you know what? I just need God to speak to me, man. I need God to speak to me. I need God to thunder down from the heavens with his loudspeakers. And I need God to speak to me. He has already spoken to you. In his word. In his word. Friend, I'm telling you, God will never, ever, ever say anything that is contrary to what the Bible says. Period. Period. That's the reason why every time you hear someone stand behind a pulpit, beside a pulpit, sitting on a chair next to a pulpit, or maybe they've even got a cool little coffee table, it really doesn't matter. But whenever you hear someone stand, sit, and say, this is what God says, you better have your Bible open examining what comes out of their mouth. And if it doesn't match up, my goodness, turn the TV off. God will never contradict Scripture. Ever. Well, man, I just, need, I just need God. If God would write it in the sky with like thousand-foot letters, then, then I would know what God is saying to me. I need to hear from God. Oh, friend, he's talking to you right here. Right here. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. The word word there in verse 17 in the original Greek language is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. Now, usually the word that is used for word in the original Greek language is the logos. 
The Logos refers to the entire written Word of God. The canonized Word of God, right? What we have right here. And so what he is saying here is that God takes the logos, right, the written word of God, and he gives us a rhema, which is a personal message. You've been studying scripture before, maybe you've been reading a passage of scripture that you have read so, so many times, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God just grabs you by the lapels and slaps you across the face, and you're like, my goodness, I'd never seen that there before. That's a rhema. That's a rhema. A personal word from God. Now hear me. I always say be careful when somebody says, I'm going to show you something that nobody's ever seen before. There's great danger in that statement. But God takes the logos and he causes it to be rhema. You ever been sitting in a service before and, you know, the preacher be preaching on something, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, look at that. That is a revelation that has come to me. That's the supernaturalness of preaching. That's the reason why I'll stand here and I'll preach on a subject, and then all of a sudden, when it leaves my lips, and before it hits your ears, the Holy Spirit of God will do something with it, and it's amazing. It'll say something to one here that deals with something in their life, and one here that deals with something in their life, and that's the Rima, right? That's what he is talking about right here, the living word of God. And so faith is hearing and believing when you hear God. I'll give you an example. Mark chapter 9. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 of this demon-possessed little boy. Jesus was there. The disciples tried to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. And so Jesus was there. The boy's father was there, and the boy's father, Jesus asked him, he said, do you believe? And here's what he said, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. We would say, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of believe, but I'm struggling a little. And Jesus said, I can heal your son. And the man said, I do believe. And that belief was in action. He exhibited faith and a miracle took place. And the boy was set free from his life of torment. Friend, God's speaking. God is speaking. The problem is not, is God speaking? The problem is we're not listening and hearing God and believing what we hear when we read the word of God. Faith is hearing and believing God's word. But then secondly, faith is receiving God's gift. For many years, I had this wrong. For many years, I thought, you know what? When it comes to my salvation, God's part's the grace and my part's the faith. I got to muster up some strong faith, right? I got to dig down real deep and man, I got I to bring up some faith in that well. My salvation is depending upon me generating some faith to trust God. I've since learned that I'm wrong. God does it all. Because I don't generate my own faith. Scripture says that God even offers faith. To me, as a gift. Ephesians 2.8, to me, probably one of the clearest verses when it comes to salvation. Ephesians 2.8, listen to what it says. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Saving faith is a gift from God. And I used to sit there and think, well, I'm doing a pretty good job here believing. The Bible says if there's any part of our salvation that we can brag about, then it's not salvation. How do we know that? Well, it continues on in Ephesians 2, verse 9. Not of works, lest any person could boast. You're like, well, that sounds contradictory to what you've just said. Hang on. Hang on. We're not done. It's just 1122. (laughs) If my faith... Or if I'm the one who regenerated my faith, if I'm the one who manufactures my faith, then what could happen is uh, one person could say, you know what, my faith is a lot stronger than their faith. Look at me, look at how faithful I am, and I brag about my own faith, and now it's not of God. Salvation is God even giving us the gift of faith. And all you and I can do is receive that gift of faith, use that gift of faith, and thank God for that gift of faith. Verse 17, I mean, he says there, faith, faith, faith comes. You don't generate faith, you don't manufacture faith. Faith comes. I'll explain it this way. Let's say that you invited me over to your house for dinner. And so I come to your house for dinner. We have a great meal and we sit around and fellowship and we visit for a while and, you know, we drink some coffee and all that other kind of stuff. And it's time for me to go. And as I'm getting up to walk out of your house, I'm like, man, that meal was so good. What do I owe you? Was it $20? $20? I drank five cups of tea. What? $40? And I slap down two $40 bills and I walk out of your house. Now for most of you, some of you I know well, for most of you, you would be offended. Some of you, well, he he owes me something, you know. (laughs) But most of you, you'd be offended. Why? Because that was a gift of grace. You, you 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 wanted to give your pastor this gift, right, of a of a of a meal. You would have been highly offended if I did that. Well, friends, in much the same way, God says, I'm going to give you the gift of eternal life. I'm going to give you the gift of forgiveness. And oh, by the way, I'm even going to extend to you the gift of faith to receive the gift of forgiveness. Salvation is all of the Lord. That's what that means when it says he's the author and he is the finisher of our faith. I'll explain it this way. When my kids were little, not so much anymore. Now they have jobs, well, except the 14-year-old. Um, when my kids were little, uh, they would come to me and they would say, at Christmas, they would say, Dad, we want to get you a Christmas present. And my birthday's Christmas Eve, in case you forgot. Um, and they would say, we want to get you a birthday present too. Hey, Dad, we want to get you something. Um, okay, what do you want? You know, I, I, mean, I, I pretty much got everything I need, you know. I, I, don't, I don't really need anything. Or, you know, no, Dad, Dad, what do you want? What do you want? Tell us what you want. We, we, we want to go to the store. We're going to get it. Okay. And so I tell them a few things, and they're like, awesome. Now, give us some money. <laughs> <laughs> Are my kids the only ones that do that? 
Give, give, give me some money. What, what, what do you mean? What, what, we, we don't have any money. We've got to have some money to go buy your present. Okay. All right. And I give money, and they go, hey, were my kids the only ones? Correct me. Would you ever give them a certain amount of money, and then the gift they bought you did not correspond to the amount of money that you gave them? <laughs> Is that just me? <laughs> I guess that was handling fee. Um, but you know what? They'd get that gift, they'd wrap that gift up, and can I tell you, I loved it. I loved it. You're like, well, you paid for it. I don't care. I loved it. Because it was a gift of their love for me. And see, see, that's what we're talking about today. It, it's, it's, it's like God says, faith is what I require of you, but I'm even going to give you the gift of faith if you'll just believe in me. And so faith is believing what God says, and that is hearing. Faith is receiving what God gives, and that's a gift. But then third, faith is completely, continually trusting in God. It is not just something that we do one time, and traditionally, you've heard me say this, traditionally, as the church, we've done a poor, poor job. We want to sit there, we want to ask the question this way, have you been saved? Well, yeah, I've been saved. Yeah, 40 years ago, I was saved. 40 years ago, I trusted Jesus. Friend, it's not something that you've done in the past. It is not a former event. It's not something that you check off. It is not a, uh, a rite of heritage, right, or a rite of passage that happens in your life. It is not, oh, hey, I reached this certain age, and then that's when I, yes, I have been saved. It's not that you have been saved. You are being saved. It's not that I've trusted Christ in the past. I'm trusting Christ daily. I'm trusting him every day and in every single way. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter. Listen to what verse 6 says. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Where we miss it so many times is we'll say something like this. Well, I just don't feel It doesn't have anything to do with feelings. It's faith. Well, I, I just don't feel like God's with me. Friend, I'm telling you, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you tell your feelings to shut up. Faithfully, I take him at his word. It's like those folks this morning who say, well, I just don't feel like that my sins can be forgiven. I just don't feel like Jesus died for me. I just don't feel like this, this offer is extended to me the way it's extended to everyone else. Feelings have nothing to do with it. Do you know your feelings will lie to you? They will, won't they? Some of you have been hanging on to those jeans from high school. Well, I feel like one day I'll fit. They're lying to you. Your feelings are lying to you. All right, go ahead. Get the, get the husky pants. No, and feelings, that's the reason why a lot of times we'll sit there and we'll say this. I don't feel like sharing my faith when I, when I hang on. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praising his name. Well, 
No, it's not feelings, it's faith. That's how we relate to God. You don't relate to God the same way you relate to me. You can see me, right? You can reach out and touch me. We don't physically see God in a physical manifestation. We don't reach out and touch God. God is spirit, and we've got to relate to God on the level of faith. And there are a lot of folks that completely misunderstand faith. Here's what they'll say. They think that faith in faith is what works. You ever had somebody say this? You just got to have faith. If you have faith, everything will turn out all right. You just got to have faith. That's not always true. Having faith doesn't help you. Did you know that? Faith is no good unless the object of your faith is big enough and powerful and strong enough to carry out what they promised. Faith is not saying, I do believe in God. Faith is not saying, I believe he can save me. You know what faith is? Faith is throwing ourselves on the mercy of God, saying, God, here I am. God, I am trusting you with my life. Jesus, you are my Lord. I surrender to you with all that I am and all that I have. That's faith. Many years ago, there was a, man who was up north and he was crossing the Mississippi River at winter when it was frozen. And so he gets about halfway out there and he's walking across the ice and then all of a sudden he begins worrying. I know none of you guys worry. Oh my goodness, what, what, what if this ice is not thick enough to hold me? What, what if it's going to break and I'm going to fall? And I'll, I'll drown out here in this frozen river. And so he becomes paralyzed with fear, like some of you are right now. And he stops, and he's like, I can't go any further. I've got to to go back over to the other side. And so he gets down on his hands and knees, and slowly he's crawling. And every time he hears the least little sound, he stops. Oh, no, I'm going to fall through. That's the ice cracking. And then all of a sudden... He heard a noise, and it got louder, and it got louder, and that's what he thought, I'm about to die. And he looked up, and here comes this guy driving a team of mules hauling logs across the Mississippi River. And this man stood up, and he looked around, and he took off walking. To the other side. You see, up north they have a saying that goes like this Great faith in thin ice can kill you, but even a little bit of faith in thick ice will hold you up. Great faith in the wrong thing is not ever going to help you, but even a little bit of faith in God is enough to save you. And folks say, well, now hang on just a second. Now let me ask you something. Isn't, isn't, isn't uh, faith powerful enough to move mountains? I thought I heard that somewhere. No, that's not true. Faith can't move mountains. He said, no, 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 that is true. That is true. I remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, then you can tell the mountains to go jump into the sea and the mountains will do that. Isn't there such a thing called mountain-moving faith? No. There's not. Faith cannot move mountains. God can. Faith can. 
The faith that you have in God can, but not generic faith. See, there are folks out there in the faith healing movement, and they'll come along, and here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, you know what? If you just have enough faith, God would heal you. Can I just say, faith never healed anybody. Now, sometimes God chooses to heal, but faith can't. So a little bit of faith in a powerful God. That's what we need. And you know what we also need to understand, church? God deals with individuals. Notice in verse 13, it is not plural. He does not say, for all who call upon the Lord will be saved. It's singular. Everyone who calls upon the Lord, or the name of the Lord, will be saved. And by the way, he does have a name. And it's Jesus. Calling upon the uh, the old man upstairs is not going to save you. Calling on a generic God is not going to save you. Calling on the great I am is not going to save you. It is the name of Jesus that saves. The Bible says there's only one name given to us under heaven by which we may be saved, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. And so, verse 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be Say, here's what it means. God expects every one of us to be responsible for, for our own behavior. Did you know you're not responsible for somebody else's sin? And you're not responsible for somebody else's salvation. Each one of us is responsible for our own salvation. You're responsible and I'm responsible and it's our personal response to God in faith. That is his gift to you. How are you going to respond to his grace in faith? And so salvation, guys, very simply, is God's grace coming down saying, here it is. I'm holding out my hands of grace to you. I'm holding out my arms of grace to you, not just for a minute, not just for an hour, man. I'm holding them out to you all day long. And on one side, God's saying this, I'm even going to give you the gift of faith. It comes from God. And once we receive those, we respond to God in faith. And that's when salvation takes place. And so God is holding out his arms to you today. The arms of grace, and here's what he is saying, come, come to me. Are you heavy burdened? Come on. Have you made a mess of your life? Come, come on. Are you living in the valley of depression, thinking he's forgotten about you? Come on. Friend, I'll tell you, there's not a minute of one sleepless night that he is unaware of. Not a tear is falling that catches him by surprise. He extends the arms of grace and he says, come. I offer you the gift of faith. Now will you respond to grace with faith? That's salvation. That's it in a nutshell. What we call the gospel it's what we call the good news. And that's what you'll hear every single time we gather in this place. All the scripture will be different. My goodness, the outline will be different. I mean, I couldn't use the same outline every week. 
Y'all, y'all, y'all think you, you, you just stop paying me. <laughs> Stories are different. Illustrations are different. But it all boils down to this. Salvation is through grace and faith. God does the work. And today, he holds out the hands and he says, come, come. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Have you responded to his gift of grace and faith? You can right now. Right where you are. Friend, don't be in a hurry. Service is not over. See, here's what we are supposed to do. We are, we're invited. I would even say that I would even say that it's impossible to study Scripture and study it correctly without then asking, how am I going to respond to it? How are you going to respond to what we've studied today? How are you going to respond? There are some of you in this place who definitely know that if today were to be your last day and you were to die, that heaven would be your home. And so today you're not having to respond receiving that gift of faith and grace. But maybe today, today your response would be, you know what? I am where I am, and I'm around the people that I am around because he has called me to have beautiful feet. I'm to make much of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, even you. Mr. Retired or Miss Retired. You say, well, I'm retired. I hang around the house all day. How can I make much of Jesus? Are you kidding me? You're some of the smartest people this church has ever known. No, God hadn't silenced you. God's not put you on the shelf. The day looks different, I get that. But God still called you. Are your feet beautiful? Students, are your feet beautiful? I know you think that you're at that school and you're just going through to get done and finish so you can go to college and then get a job and have your own family. Oh, no, no, no. Not if you believe in Jesus. Are your feet beautiful, students? Young men and women are collegiate. You got pretty feet today. And then there are others of you in this room. You need to respond today because if today were to be your last day, you don't know that heaven would be your home. You don't know. And every minute that you don't know, oh my goodness, what a risk. God has already done all that needs to be done. Today you just receive right where you are, right in this moment. Would you just call upon the name of Jesus? Would you just just cry out to him, Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, would you please forgive me of my sin? I want you to be Lord of my life. You are my Lord. I surrender to you. I call upon your name, Jesus.
Save me today. Friend, I'm telling you, if that is what is happening in your heart, you call upon his name, he'll do just that. But he never intended salvation to be a guessing game. You can know. You can know. And there's no amount of money in this world that can buy the peace that comes from knowing that if today were your last day, heaven would be your home. So, Father, tonight or this morning, we pray to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would roam freely across this room. May you even extend beyond this room for those that are watching online, outside of this country. Father, for those that will be watching by television, oh God, we pray supernaturally that your Spirit would hold a mirror up to our souls. That we would see ourselves exactly the way that you see us. And we pray for the miracle of salvation for those who have not believed. Oh God, save them. Oh, God, save them. And God, our prayer is that every day when we put our socks and shoes on, that for those of us that are in you, Christ, we would be reminded of this passage of Scripture. How beautiful are my feet. May we not rest until the whole world is saved. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www. Dot Highland and it's H I L A N D Park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him. Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.